Welcome to Blaine Christ the King. You are listening to our weekly service message podcast. Join us every Sunday morning at 10 o'clock at our campus location in Blaine, Washington. Thanks for tuning in. So Bonnie and I were actually in San Francisco this week, uh, which is kind of abnormal for us. Uh, But we were in San Francisco this week. We actually went there to do a training there with a church called We Are Church. That's, that's what it's called. And it was just a really amazing experience. There's, this is a, a church movement sort of in the urban core of San Francisco, and they're really doing some pretty amazing work. And I really enjoyed everything about the trip except for the driving. Uh, anybody here driven in San Francisco before? Like, I don't know what they were thinking when they built it. Like, it's insane. Um, it is an insane place to drive. Like I, w- I had to take like a couple minutes before getting out of the car each time I stopped. Like, okay, I'm still alive. I'm still alive. Made me thankful for Blaine, you know. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, it was a great experience. But one of the, the, the challenging, most challenging parts of it is this church does a lot of uh, ministry and work in this area in San Francisco called the Tenderloin. And I don't know if you're familiar with the Tenderloin, but it's where half of San Francisco's homeless live in this one area of town. Thousands of people are living on the street. And um, man, it was, it was really, really challenging just to, just to be there. The district is called the Tenderloin because in the 1930s, um, it was sort of the, they called it that because it was the seedy underbelly of San Francisco. And then over time, like it's just, it's, it's, uh, it's just become a, uh, a pretty crazy place, and Bonnie and I are walking around, and, you know, there's drug use everywhere. There are needles everywhere. There's, you know, feces, you know, everywhere, and it was just a really sad thing to think, you know, sometimes we think in our country we're removed from, whoa, I just, <laughs> there's a hole here, guys. Uh, <laughs> I hope I didn't break anything, um, but I'm still getting used to this building, so, um, but we think, like, that this kind of scene can't happen in our country, but it, it, it's happening, and um, they sent us out, Bonnie and I, um, into this environment and told us to go pray for people. And, uh, man, it was, like, you know, you ever feel overwhelmed? Like, even, like, what are my prayers going to do? How are my prayers going to help these people who are obviously suffering from addiction, you know? And, um, but we went around and we prayed for people. There was one guy, we asked one guy, you know, what can I pray for? And he's like, just so I can wake up tomorrow, you know? I mean, there's so much fear, and, and darkness in this place, and, and so we really felt overwhelmed um, walking through this, and, uh, you know, there's so much brokenness, and you wonder, God, how can you fix a scene like this, you know, a, a scene where there's, there's, there's poverty and abuse, and, and it's just apparent, you know, we, we have darkness, obviously, but maybe a lot of times for us, it's hidden here, it's just apparent, it's everywhere. God, how could you fix a scene like this? I don't know if you've been in a, a situation like that before, but it's tempting to think like, man, this is hopeless. You know, how can God, how can even God fix this? How can my prayers really solve a person's addiction? How can my prayers actually be effective when people are going through so much? How could sharing Jesus with a person on the streets actually lead to change? And over the past few weeks, we've been talking about how Jesus came as a light to the world. He came as a light to this dark world, and he came to show us this way of life. Uh, Jesus was born into a messy situation. He was born to poor parents. He was born in a dirty stable. 
um, which my niece uh, has a horse, and it's stinky in there. It's stinky in the stables, you know, but Jesus and his parents, they actually became refugees. It wasn't, he wasn't born into a safe household. They, he was born, and then Herod was going around trying to kill all these Hebrew babies to, to take away the threat of any king, even a newborn baby king, and so they, they have to run to Egypt. Like, God does not put his son in a safe situation. They were, he was vulnerable and in constant danger. And so you may ask, how could this be God's plan to save the world? How could this be God's plan to save the world? You know, we have this world that's falling apart, and God sends this little vulnerable baby. You know, you may ask, how is a baby supposed to fix homelessness and addiction? How is a baby supposed to fix abuse? How is a baby supposed to fix the spiritual darkness that we see in our world? And, you know, it makes me wonder today, like, do we really think that Jesus is enough to heal our world? Do we think that Jesus is enough to heal our world? Do we even think that Jesus is enough to heal our mess, our stuff? You know, what was really difficult about the situation as we were in San Francisco is we were told there are resources everywhere. You know, you can go to detox for 10 bucks. You know, you can, there, there's, there's shelters, there's things available, there's social workers, they're all in this place. Um, and there's all, you know, food, clothing, shelter, whatever is needed, but even with all those things in place, the situation still felt helpless. Like, what can we, what can we actually do? Somebody on our team was like, I don't know how to fix this. You know, I think it goes to show, doesn't human intervention have its limits? You know, when we try to go in and fix things, don't we, it, isn't it limited? You know, I can see a problem, and I can try to figure out a solution real quick, like, what would fix this thing? And, but I can do all sorts of good things, but I can never change a heart. You know, I can never just change a heart on my own. And, you know, I think sometimes we encounter problems that are overwhelming, and we think, how can we fix this? You know, the whole practice of psychiatry is built around the idea of modifying behavior. How can we, how can we change someone's behavior? And we might have all of the, you know, the drugs, we can prescribe everything to, to maybe dull the mind, but we can't change hearts. What can change hearts? What if we need to look for answers in a greater authority than ourselves? So we're going to look today at a scene in Scripture where Jesus is standing before Pontius Pilate. Pontius Pilate is the Roman governor of Judea. Uh, the Jewish leaders have brought Jesus and, uh, before him, and they're asking Pontius Pilate to condemn Jesus to death. Um, the Jewish authority didn't have, the, didn't have the, the right to put anyone to death that was taken away from them by the Roman government, so they're going to ask uh, Pontius Pilate um, to give approval, to put Jesus to death, to condemn Jesus, because he's the only one who could give the death penalty. So we see that Pilate is a political figure. His allegiance is to the Roman government, um, but his, his province is this area of Judea, so he's in this place where he needs to appease the, the Jewish people there, and they also needs to appease the Roman government, so he's kind of tied between two things. And also, like many leaders, he likes it best when things are quiet, you know, when there's no issues going on, right? He doesn't, like, oh, what is this thing I have to deal with now? They actually woke him up um, early in the morning to go deal with this thing, so he's probably coming into this meeting with Jesus a little annoyed, 
um, ready to, to get it resolved, to fix the issue as soon as he can and go about his day. He has other issues he's trying to solve. He's actually visiting Jerusalem, so he's probably just, can we get this over with? I don't know why this guy's here, but let's just, let's just hear, see what's going on, find a quick resolution, and be done. And so we're going to read in John 18 today. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be in John 18, 33. And it says this. It says, uh, it'll also be on our screen here. So Pilate entered his headquarters again and called Jesus and said to him, Are you the king of the Jews? And Jesus answered, Do you say this of your own accord, or did others say it to you about me? Pilate answered, Am I a Jew? Your own nation and the chief priests have delivered you over to me. What have you done? Jesus answered, My kingdom is not of this world. If my kingdom were of this world, my servants would have been fighting that I might not be delivered over to the Jews. But my kingdom is not from the world. Then Pilate said to him, So you are a king. And Jesus answered, You say that I am a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. Pilate said to him, What is truth? After he had said this, he went back outside to the Jews and told them, I find no guilt in him, but you have a custom that I should release one man for you at the Passover. So do you want me to release to you the king of the Jews? And they cried out again, Not this man, but Barabbas. So Pilate's concern with Jesus is not um, whether Jesus is telling the truth, not whether Jesus is the truth, Uh, Pilate's concern with Jesus is not about him being any sort of spiritual king. Um, This is Pilate's main concern with Jesus. Is Jesus a threat? Is Jesus a threat? I can imagine him asking Jesus with his arms crossed, are are you really king of the Jews? Like, can we get this over with? Tell me if you are, because if you are king of the Jews, if you think you're a king, then you are a threat, but if you don't, then you're, you're definitely not a threat. I can just let you go. Um, you know, he's frustrated. He's confused. He's trying to figure this out. Like, what does Jesus mean when he talks about his kingdom? Um, because if Jesus thinks he's a, a political king, then he's a threat. If he denies it, he can send him on his way. And I wonder if sometimes we approach Jesus like that with that question. Like, is, is Jesus a threat to me? to my kingdom, to what I have going on right now. You know, even as Christians, sometimes we treat Jesus this way. Is, is, is he really going to threaten the way I want to do things or, or my life? You know, maybe we ask, is Jesus a threat to my lifestyle? Like, would Jesus want me to change anything about my lifestyle? Is he going to ask me to change the way I spend my time and my money? It, would Jesus ask me to do something that I don't really want to do? Because if Jesus is king, that means he has authority in our lives. It means he has some authority, all authority in our lives. And I think maybe sometimes like Pilate, we, we can be cool with Jesus as long as he doesn't threaten our turf, you know? As long as he doesn't step on our toes, as long as he doesn't try to like come into our lives and create problems. And this is what Jesus says to Pilate. He says, my kingdom is not of this world. If I was trying to take over your kingdom by force, you know, I'd have all my followers at your door and and trying to take things over. That's what Barabbas did. Barabbas was trying to take over the government by force, and that's the one that they end up releasing. You know, um, that's not what Jesus is there for. He's not there to 
to become this great political leader and, and, and force his way in. But that's what Pilate is focused on. Pilate's focused on today. What, how is this going to affect me here today? The here and now, what he can see. If Jesus isn't a threat today, he can let him go. And that's where his eyes are. So um, as he hears Jesus talk about the kingdom, he clarifies, so you are a king? Are, are you a threat? And then Jesus pulls back the curtain. He talks about his purpose, why he came, why he's there, his whole reason for being on the earth. He says, you say that I'm a king. For this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. To bear witness to the truth. And then he says, everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. So Jesus says his purpose is to reveal the truth of God to the world. It's this light that we've been talking about. This way we celebrate the light. That Jesus came to show us the truth, to tell us the truth. And again, Pilate doesn't really care about that. To him, it doesn't affect the present. If Jesus isn't trying to take him down by force, he doesn't care. And so Pilate's response to that is, ah, what's truth anyways? You know, it says, he said, so what is truth? And he walks off. Like, ah, that doesn't matter. You know, what is truth anyways? And, you know, isn't that, doesn't that seem like a lot of people's response to this idea of truth today? Well, what is truth anyways? Like, I've got my truth, you've got your truth, and we can, as long as we're in harmony, everything's good. You know, is it a stretch to say that, like, our cultures dismiss the idea of truth? You know, for many people I've talked to, the problem with my faith isn't what I actually believe. It's that my faith says it's the only way. It's the only truth. Like, people aren't, like, threatened maybe by what I believe, just the fact that it would be the only way, the only truth. And there's a problem, you know, there might be, people might have a problem with thinking there's only one way to God. There's only one hope. There's only one truth, because it doesn't feel good. It doesn't feel good because it puts into question the truths of other people. And I think maybe a lot of people today approach truth like a buffet, right? It's like, I'll take a little bit of this, a little bit of that, a little bit of this, we'll mix it all together, gravy, stuffing, all that. It's a truth buffet. And, uh, you know, we have, especially, like, we have all the information in the world at our fingertips, right? We can read all these conflicting truths online, we can watch conflicting truths on uh, TV, and we can, you know, like, we can create our own thing. We can create our own truth. And in doing that, we can actually dismiss the truth, the, the real truth that Jesus is talking about. You know, and what you see in Pilate is he's dismissing the truth because it doesn't really affect him, but the Jews, who Jesus was definitely stepping on the Jewish leader's toes, they were enraged. They were, they were hateful. And I think if we have a truth that steps on people's toes a little bit, that's when you see the tempers start to flare a little bit. And the irony is, is that one day the tables would be turned. One day Jesus would be Pilate's judge. One day, Pilate would be standing before Jesus, and he'd have to give account for this truth that Jesus is talking about, this truth that he so easily dismissed. But Jesus is saying his purpose, the reason he was born, the reason why he came into the world was that we could know what's true and that we could be changed by what's true. So the reason for this season is that Jesus 
came to tell us what's true, to show us the way to life. And without him, we wouldn't have a way to truth and life. And so he comes in as this little light to show us the way out of darkness. You know, I imagine it like, um, who here has been to CenturyLink Field? A few people, the Seahawks game. A few people have been to CenturyLink Field. It's huge, right? You know, imagine if it was pitch black, like the seats were full, but it was just pitch black. You couldn't see anything. Like, people would be, like, fumbling over each other, falling off the railings. It would be crazy. But imagine if one person had a flashlight in that crowd, right? And they're holding it up. It's like, oh, wait, I can see my way out of darkness, out of this chaos. That's what Jesus did. He comes as this small little light in this big world to show us the way. Jesus came on the scene. I mean, think about it. Wise men, the wisest men in the world came and they worshiped this baby. You know, they bring him gifts. They, they worship and they, they honor him, this single solitary light. And Jesus comes on the scene and he proclaims that the kingdom of God is here. Repent and be baptized, uh, be saved, be renewed, be restored. Like Jesus comes on and he, he starts talking about the light. That was one voice 2,000 years ago in the Middle East. But people's lives are still being changed today. People's lives are still being changed today by this truth. There were no cameras on Jesus. Jesus didn't have a Twitter account. Um, I mean, I guess you could call it, this is the real, you know, if you want to get goofy, the best tweet ever, you know. Uh, but yet now, 2,000 years later, lives are still being transformed. You know, on our trip, we were led by this pastor named Rob. And as we prayed together, as we met together, as we walked with Rob a little bit, we caught bits and pieces of his story. Um, but Rob came out of prison five years ago. Five years ago, he came out of prison. He grew up without parents. He ran with gangs uh, in the city. And um, while he was on the streets, somebody told him about Jesus. And in that moment, he just dismissed it. Like, ah, eh, it's whatever, no big deal. He ends up going to prison, and one night in solitary confinement, he remembers what that guy told him about Jesus, and he gives his life to Jesus, and his whole life changed. He starts to be radically changed in prison. He, he gives everything to God, and he gets out of prison. He gets in a Christian halfway house, and, and five years later, he, this week, I'm with a group of pastors, leaders from all over the world. Like, we had, a, we had an Orthodox um, priest from Albania with us, and here's Rob, five years out of prison, showing us what it looks like to be more surrendered to Jesus. Like, it was amazing. But that's, like, that doesn't make sense on a resume, but it makes sense in the kingdom, you know? And so he, he goes, like, twice a week, and he walks the streets in the Tenderloin. He just shares his story. He shares about Jesus, prays for people, you know? And he, he says these are people who are just like him, you know? And, and he's walked with them. You know, I don't think if, we, if they just made more resources available, that would have changed Rob. I don't think that if Rob had the best counselor, it would have changed Rob. What Rob needed was a new king. Rob needed a new king over his life. He needed a true king of his heart. And so Jesus says, For this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to my voice. And this is what we learn. Uh, living in the truth means listening to the right voice. 
If we're going to live in the truth, it means we need to listen to the right voice. I know there's a lot of noise out there right now. Just Christmas alone, how many ads do we watch that tell us this is what Christmas is about? Like, if you want to have a good Christmas, it involves a big red bow on top of a new black SUV, right? Like, <laughs> like that is a good Christmas. Um, a diamond necklace you could be paying for for 10 years, you know? It's just wonderful Christmas. Um, really, Jesus is the only voice that matters. Like, Jesus' voice is the only one that matters. It's this voice of the king in this, in this um, huddle of confusion that we live in. There's only one voice that matters. And that's why wise men fell down before this newborn king. When they went and they traveled far to find this newborn king, they knew he was the only one that mattered. They bow down and they worship him. What does this baby have to offer these wise men, smarter than everybody else? And they give their allegiance to this child this single child. And the reason why Christmas is such a big deal is because Jesus' voice is the only one that matters. And so my question, this is the challenge today. So my question is, if you believe that Jesus tells the truth, how well are you listening? How well are you listening to the truth? Are you dismissive of him? Is your listening minimal? You know, are we just trying to figure out what he's threatening in our lives? Are we minimizing Jesus? Or, like a disciple, are we someone who sits at his feet and absorbs what he says? Are we absorbing his teachings? Are we sitting with him? And so my challenge today is that if you, if we want to become someone who is living with the truth, then we really need to be absorbed in this book. Like, we really need to be absorbed in this book. Like, if this speaks the truth about life, we really need to, to listen to it. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of things we can listen to, but this is what matters. This is what shapes our lives right here, guys. This is it, the Spirit speaking through the Scripture. You know, I like to preach. I could talk to you for hours. I'm good with that. Um, you know, I could, I could preach to you for years and years and years, and I'd be perfectly happy. I just want you to know that. Like, I would love that. It'd be great. But you can't rely on one guy's teaching once a week to show you the truth. You need to be in this book. That's my challenge for you today. Be in the Word. See, we listen to God when we absorb the truth of the Bible, His inspired Word of God. We believe the Bible is inspired that it's the authoritative word of God. Paul says in 2 Timothy 2 that all scripture is breathed out by God, that it's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. God gave you this so you could be complete in him. None of us feel complete right now, but as we go and walk with this book, we can feel complete in Jesus. We can be equipped for every good work. Rob didn't need years of school. He just needed this book to be changed. You know, there's a lot of other media that we can absorb today, right? <laughs> but there's a lot of stuff out there. Um, there's a lot of other people with hot takes on different things. Um, we can be absorbed. I mean, like, politics today is crazy. Like, it's almost suffocating, this stuff going on politically today, and it's easy to let things like that dominate our thoughts and our feelings, you know, whatever side you're on. Um, you know, and we can even read, like, Christian blogs, we can read 
uh, listen to Christian music, we can listen to different preachers. Nothing can bring you an encounter with God like spending time in his word through the Spirit. None of those, none of those words compare to just spending time with God through his word. The Spirit changes us as we engage in Scripture, as we learn to read it, to study it, to meditate on it. And I know that a message on reading Scripture isn't like maybe the most Christmassy, um, but I do believe that it's the one that has the most potential to change your life. Like, I think it has the most potential to change your life. And so as 2020 approaches, which is crazy, I, the, the decade thing is blowing my mind right now, but um, as 2020 approaches, you know, what if we devoted ourselves to spending more time in the Word than we spent to listening to all the, all the media, everything else that we can find? You know, there's going to be a lot more noise in 2020, I guarantee it. Like, it's an election year, people, okay? It's going to be crazy. Um, but what if you spent less time being absorbed in that and more time being absorbed in God's presence? Because the main thing that I want you to take home today is this, is that Jesus came so that we could become a people formed by the truth. Jesus came to earth so that we could be a people formed by the truth, not formed by everything else going on around us, but formed by the truth. And so if we want to be a people that shines the light of Jesus, then we have to be formed by the light of Jesus, changed in the light of Jesus, immersed in the light. And like Jesus said, if we're in the truth, it means we listen to his voice. Like That's what we do. That's the first step. We listen. We stop what we're doing and we listen. And I want to challenge you. Everybody next year is going to want to say something. They're going to want to talk. Everyone in the world will have a hot take on something. But what if we went in a different direction? You know, I've been convicted that we as a church, me personally, we as a church, like, let's spend more time in the Word of God in 2020. Like, I'm, I'm glad when we're here on Sunday, but I want to challenge us to grow during the week. And so next year, we're going to start a Bible reading plan. Uh, we're gonna, I'm going to challenge us all to go through one chapter of the Old Testament and one chapter of the New Testament every day together. What if we could, like, walk together in this? Like, starting to, to meditate on the Word of God, to learn and grow together. Like, like I'll get things that, that you don't, and you'll get things that I don't. God will speak to us together. I mean, how cool would it be if we as a church were just immersed in the Word of God? If we could speak the truth of God to each other, over each other. I really feel like, like this promise in 2 Timothy We'd be equipped. We'd be ready for anything if we spend time, if we commit to the Word of God, if we commit to soaking in the Word of God. We might see the world differently. Can you imagine the faith that that might build, the confidence that that might build, the power of God that might grow in you if you committed to reading the Word of God? Because the good news is this. God didn't make it our job to fix the world. Hallelujah. Like, I'm glad I don't have the job to fix the world. It's too big. Um, he made it our job to bear witness to the truth. That's our job. Bear witness to the truth. Shine the light of Jesus. We bear witness through the truth, through how we live and what we say. Through how we live and what we say. So let's be formed by the truth so that we can share that truth with other people. 
Because that's the freedom that we have as disciples. It's not our job to fix the world, to, to, to go out and, and, and change everything. Um, we can just rely on God's strength and God's wisdom. It might not always make sense to us. Um, just like sending a baby out to save the world didn't make a lot of sense. Um, but we can just rely on God to lead us to where he wants us to go. You know, and in starting this next year, after this series, we're going to do a series called Refuge, and just going to go into how God really is a refuge. Like that time you spend um, with God is really a time of refuge, running to a safe place. We're going to do that in January. But as, as we learn to listen, we, we learn to rely on Jesus' voice, and then we shine. We shine when we learn to rely on Jesus' voice, like, like how the moon reflects the sun, like we we reflect Jesus off of us. And that's what I believe we're called to do where we're at, here in Blaine, here in Whatcom County. Shine the light of Jesus really, really bright so others can see it. Our worship team can come on up. We don't create the light, but God does. God is the source of light. It's our job to reflect that light. And if we're walking in the light, we'll reflect that light wherever we go. That's all we need to do. Because you don't need to add anything to the glory of God. Like, you don't need to add anything to Jesus. Like, he's enough. He is enough. We don't, so as a church, we're free. We don't have to drop uh, Christmas presents from helicopters on the neighborhood. Like, we, we can just make Jesus really, really big in our lives. And that's enough. So this Christmas, listen to Jesus' voice. Spend time reading the Christmas story with your family. Think about this year. Challenge yourself. We're going we're gonna to challenge the church to read the Bible together this next year. Challenge yourself. How could I, how could I implement in that, that in my life? What if I spent like a half hour every day reading the Word of God? You know, if not, we can get lost in the noise. We can get lost in traditions. But this Christmas, like, let's focus. Let's focus on Jesus. Jesus was born to show us what's true. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you, God. Thank you for coming to earth as a light so that we could see the truth. Thank you, God, for coming to the earth to save us, God, to send out a searchlight to anyone who would come, Lord, that, that anyone, anyone can be changed. God, I pray that as a community, you would help us to walk more in that light. God, to be changed uh, by just spending time with you. And even if it feels awkward sometimes, even if it's difficult sometimes, God, even as we get used to it, God, may your spirit just power us into it. Father, we, uh, we want to be about you, God. I want to be about you. Lord, help us, God, whatever we have, whatever we have that's in the way of a deeper relationship with you, that you help us to, to hand it over to you. God, we want to live in the light. God, we want to be people of the light. We want light to shine off our faces. We want light to shine off our community. And so I pray that nothing would hinder that. God, that we could walk in the light together. Lord, we love you and we praise you. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen.